0: Chapter 42, Little Puppy and Tiny Bear. The light in the kitchen was still on. Doug hung his jacket up. He could see light coming from behind the door to the living room. A voice was murmuring. The door to the kids' room was open, and Doug could see their empty beds, the covers missing. He crept along the carpeted corridor toward the living room. The murmuring voice became clearer. It was too deep to be Sharon. Little puppy visited her friend Tiny Bear. As they sat together in a clearing, the moon hovered just overhead. It was a man's voice. Fireflies fluttered around them. Speckles like twinkling stars fell from their wings. Tiny Bear wanted to play with them. Little puppy did too. But with regret, She had to tell Tiny Bear it was time for them to go home. The man was reading from Irene's favorite book about a little puppy and his adventures in a forest at night. On the way, Little Puppy and Tiny Bear walked by ancient cave. Silly boy was inside, snoring up a storm. Don't sleep all night, Little Puppy sang. We're hungry and want you to cook for us. Doug peered into the living room. But silly boy had to refuse. The voice came from a gray-haired man, sitting on the sofa, his back to Doug. On a chair to the right of the sofa sat Sharon, gently rocking back and forth, her posture erect, arms folded neatly in her lap. There was a vacant smile across her face, her eyes wide open but staring off into the distance as if hypnotized, She was sweating profusely in her massive fuzzy jumper. Opposite the man, facing Doug, Dora and Irene sat on the floor in their pajamas, pillows and bedding around them, the fireplace roaring behind them. Doug felt its dry heat escaping out the crack in the door, blowing softly over his face and hands. Little puppy and tiny bear went home to their mountain, gazing at the sky. They wondered if silly boy had ever seen fireflies or stars. Neither Sharon nor the man had noticed Doug coming home. But now Doug recognized the voice. Hey kiddos, he said, striding over to his daughters. He crouched down to give them a hug, but they didn't react. They didn't even notice him. They were unblinkingly fixated on the man reading to them. Dora, Irene, Doug held their arms but neither daughter responded. Their glazed eyes stared out vacantly. Dora, Irene. Doug grabbed their hands, but there was no response. He stood up and turned to the man on the sofa. The heat from the fire was stifling. It was Gavin, the school counselor. He was perched cross-legged and erect on the sofa. The warm inside, he was still tightly buttoned into his gray suit and tie. Why are you here? Doug asked. Why is he here, Sharon? A little jolt seemed to pass through Sharon, but she kept her vacant stare. Mr. Shasta, Gavin tried to say something. Ignoring him, Doug walked over to Sharon. Are you awake? Are you here? Wake up. Mr. Shasta, Gavin continued, Sharon is in a deep state of meditation, as are you children. Doug put his hand on Sharon's shoulder. He felt the twitch of a motor reflex, but no change in her gaze. Mr. Shasta, it's futile to persist. Sharon is focused, beyond your presence. She's aware of you, but her mind is operating across multiple layers of consciousness, and you're but a small part of a fold in that right now. Doug went back to his daughters, a rage boiling up inside him, their eyes still blank. Dora and Irene are perfectly fine, continued Gavin. Trust me, they're in a good place. You could say they're in a state of ecstasy. Doug lifted both kids and carried them out of the living room. He lay the girls down in their beds. Even in the darkness of their room, Doug could see that their eyes were still wide open. He shut their eyelids gently with his fingertips and felt like crying. He could hear their slow and gentle breathing. They seemed to relax. Doug returned to the living room. The fire was still roaring. Sharon smiled up at Doug, her brow streaming with sweat. Hey, Dougie. Her voice was weak. We weren't expecting you for a little while yet. Sharon flared her nostrils and sniffed a few times. What's that smell? It's like gasoline and is that pee? Doug pointed at Gavin. What is he doing here? You didn't say anything about him. If I knew he was planning to visit, I'd have said no. Sharon gave Doug a pained and awkward look. I'm sorry, Dougie. I thought it would be okay. I've been doing a lot of meditating with Gavin. It's been a real hit with everyone. Isn't that true, Gavin? You're doing it with all the kids. He's hypnotized my children. Sharon crumpled at Doug's shout. Mr. Shasta, Gavin interjected. Please stay calm. We can see that you've had several drinks, and it might be hard for you to control yourself. Doug glared at Gavin. I'm not drunk. What the fuck is your problem? Why are you after my fucking kids? I'm not after anyone, Mr. Shasta. Even in the sauna-like heat, Gavin remained cold. Both your daughters were quite happy to participate in a meditation session with myself and Ms. Hayes. Gavin looked around the living room, an eyebrow raised. As Sharon told you, there's a new strand in their school curriculum. It's our government-backed endless wellness initiative. We think that the children here deserve sanctuary from the world they inhabit, the violence as they have to endure. Endure violence? Doug repeated, stunned. Yes, Mr. Shasta. Gavin stared Doug down, eyes wide like a cheap carnival act. We already discussed the traumas that Dora and Irene have endured. They're children, you piece of shit. They'll believe whatever you tell them. You've hypnotized them, you fucking creep. You're projecting your fucked up ideas into them. Doug was yelling now. We all have some free will, Mr. Shasta, no matter our age. But you have less choice in this, I'm afraid. In fact, you have no choice. The Endless Wellness Initiative gives me the authority to advise and execute protection orders throughout the Border Islands district. Put simply, it's the law. You have no choice. I am the law. Doug turned to the fireplace and picked up a log from the pile next to it. He faced Gavin and pointed it at him. Get the fuck out. Gavin uncrossed his legs, his face darkened. He upped his carnival act intensity. Mr. Shasta, control yourself. I am controlling myself. Enough to not kill you. Now get out of my house. You too, Sharon. Get the fuck out of my house. Stay away from my kids forever. I'll fucking kill you both with a fucking log. Doug had raised the piece of firewood over his head. Sharon jumped to her feet. Dougie, why are you helping him? Gavin backed toward the door, pulling Sharon along with him in a not-so-subtle move, placed her between himself and the log-wielding Doug. Mr. Shasta, control yourself. I understand from medical records that you are currently taking a large amount of quite powerful medications. These are no doubt affecting your sense of reality. You need to ground yourself, Mr. Shasta. Get the fuck out. If I see you near my kids again, I'll kill you. I promise. Doug lunged, Gavin and Sharon ran down the corridor and out into the rain. As they hit the porch, they tripped over each other, splaying out into the large muddy puddle that had formed just in front of the house. Doug loomed in the doorway, brandishing his log. The motion sensor had switched the porch light on again, illuminating the pair as they scrambled on all fours in the muck, without shoes or jackets. You're making a big mistake about something you don't understand, Mr. Shasta, Gavin shouted. There will be ramifications for your behavior. Doug felt satisfied that Gavin had finally responded with a bit of anger. He found their jackets and shoes and tossed them out into the puddle. As Doug was about to slam the door shut, he saw Sharon give him a look of such malice that he'd never thought her capable of. Doug thought he heard something she was saying to Gavin. Regroup at leak point. Prep for tomorrow. Doug locked the front door. Daddy? Dora had woken. Her frizzy hair haloed against the warm firelight from the living room behind. Are you okay? At the window, Sharon's taillights flickered red through the trees. The car turned northbound toward Mount Costo or Leak Point or Hell, Doug thought. He put the log down among all of the shoes and boots next to the door. I'm okay now, sweetie. Doug kissed his daughter's forehead. It was warm, not quite a fever, but still something to keep an eye on. It is so good to see you. Let's go find Irene and have some of that ice cream. Apocalypse Rock is written and read by me, Nate Bitsinski. For more, go to apocalypserock.xyz. Please rate and review this story wherever you have found it and share with any friends who you think might like it. Thanks for listening.